0: Welcome to Inside Dance, a podcast that celebrates the Bates Dance Festival dance artists and teachers from the past 35 years. I'm Lindsay Lapointe, media supervisor for the festival. The Bates Dance Festival brings together an international community of choreographers, performers, educators, and students in a cooperative community to study, perform, and create new work. In this episode, you will hear from the former Bates Dance Festival director, Laura Forer. Since taking the position in 1988, Laura Fora has developed the festival into an internationally acclaimed contemporary dance program known for its artistic excellence, curatorial vision, and commitment to building community through dance.
1: So just prior to being invited by the president, a former president of the college, Henry Reynolds, to um, apply for this job or to come talk about this job, I was living in Maine. I'd been living in Maine for two years. I was freelancing as an arts management person. I was working with the New England Foundation for the Arts. I was working with the State Arts Commission, and with um, a now defunct organization called the Maine Arts Sponsors Association. So through that particular organization, I got to know pretty much all the artists and arts organizations in the state of Maine. So it was kind of strategic. Um, But the way that this job came about was that a friend who worked at the State Arts Commission uh, knew that the current co-director of the festival was leaving. And somehow she recommended that they talk to me. And so they called me. The festival had been going for five years. It was founded by Marcy Plavin, the longtime professor of dance at Bates, but along it was really the idea of Hedley Reynolds, the president. And he went to Marcy and said, what do you think we start a festival? And she thought, okay, but we have to bring the best people or no one will come. And off they went. So for five years they ran a very small but very high-quality program Um, And Marcy had four co-directors in that five-year period. So it was almost every year there was a new co-director, a lot of turnover. Um, And they had about 50 students coming, and uh, Dan Wagner was the company in residence for the first, I think, five years, and they did two or three concerts, and it was just a lovely little program. So I came in in the fall, so I was able to sort of look at what had happened, and um, there were just some really obvious things that I thought we could improve, sort of, in terms of the, you know, the bottom line, functionality, the way things were marketed, um, just sort of across the board. Um, so I just kind of went to work, and I programmed that that next summer. Um, and the first artist that I brought was BB Miller, BB Miller Company, who I met in New York that fall, and just immediately, right then and there, said, "Come to Bates." And then she was here for the next five years. Um, so we just started. Um, I started sort of professionalizing the organization. Marcy stepped aside. That was part of the agreement. She was happy to do so. It was too much to run the dance program and to run try and run this festival. And she was always a wonderful colleague and friend and you know participant and um, yeah. So we just started you know tinkering and fixing things and inviting people and so we had a slightly bigger faculty we we changed a lot of the marketing the way we did the marketing and it just started to take off and i think you know the vision for the festival in terms of the underlying philosophy is absolutely aligned with the, with the philosophy and mission of the college which is to be egalitarian so that is completely consistent with what i was interested in and the direction I wanted to go in. Where I am now as a human being and uh, my um, range of experience is, you know, sort of vastly larger and more expansive than it was at the beginning, but I had been in the dance world and I had you know, been a dancer, a teacher, a choreographer. I had dabbled and been interested in sort of a 360-degree perspective on dance. I mean, I had sort of investigated everything from African dance and jazz and a lot of music to improvisation and composition and somatics and dance therapy. I mean, it was all interesting to me. So that's sort of more programmatic and curating in terms of education, the educational piece of the festival. In terms of curating performance, um, you know, I think I've always been driven by, um, I mean, it's sort of what you're exposed to. So, you know, I started going to the Arts Presenters Conference. I started going to, you know, different new regional and national conferences where I would interface and I would meet people and going to see performances. And for me, it was always about the people. You know, I wanted to know who the people were. I wanted to connect with the people as well as the work. So, BB, you know, for, with BB, it was just there was an automatic chemistry and a connection to the people in the company and to the work. Um, and so, you know, the dance world's so small. I mean, we all kind of know each other. And because we're such an under resourced field, we all network, we all collaborate, we all partner, we all co commission. And so once you're in that pipeline and you're connected to those multiple overlapping networks, you know the National Performance Network, the National Dance Project, the the National National Network. I mean, it's once you're connected, things flow through the pipeline. That information is always moving around. People are looking at each other's who's presenting that. You know, a lot of people look to what we've presented because we're sort of known as a lab and a place that artists can kind of get. Their start, um, so I think it was just you know very organic and sort of making connections, broadening the circle, getting exposed to stuff, seeing what made sense to me, what I liked. But I think what I always say is that part of me, part of the 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 sort of core uh, principle behind curating for me is I'm not just looking for people who do well on stage. I'm looking for people who want to be part of a community, who are generous, who love to teach, and are really Really good teachers who are makers and who are performers who are sort of living the continuum and doing everything because that's what we're doing here so I almost never bring a company in just to jump on stage and leave again. I want them to engage I want the that network to keep building so so there's I think a lot more I don't think of myself as a presenter um, in the sort of traditional sense so now you know I feel like I have this you know, incredibly expansive network of people all over the world, and, um, and all these relationships that we've built up o- over all these years, so that this idea of um, working with artists over time, over the arc of their career, and knowing that, letting, you know, giving them a home, giving them a place where they know they can come back and experiment and build and show and try things has been so important to, to what Bates has been about and, and what I care about. You know everything that's happened at the festival, and every piece, every new program, every new project that we've added has come to us in a way, and very organically. And the and the um, the story of 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 the whole international program, the international visiting artists program, started when um, Shapiro and Smith were invited to South Africa by the State Department, and they were the first American company dance company that had gone. And they talked. They had just been at the festival, so they talked about it. So then the the Department of Cultural Affairs contacted me and said, "We've heard all about Bates, and we want to send South African artists." I'm like, "Great!" And they all, and they paid for it, right? Because that was when there was still money. Um, so we started inviting artists from South Africa, and I did a little research, and I knew from the first year that the artist I wanted was Vincent Menswe. He wasn't available. And so it wasn't until year three or four that he was finally available to come. And of course, we've worked with him ever since. And we were the first uh, entity in the U.S. to bring him. Uh, And then he worked with Alvin Ailey, and he's been all over the place. Um, So we've kind of built on that ever since. I mean, at a certain point, that money went away and it became more difficult. Um, But then we had, um, we got a, a grant years ago when Arts International still existed we got a grant from from them to work with artists in Brazil, Cuba and Africa. And the Cuban piece took off because we went to Cuba and I met Marianella Boan and that was love at first sight and we started bringing Marianella and she of course had a whole network of artists. So that that was a cycle. Um, then we had a cycle where we work we had friends who were working in Portugal and were attached to the cultural offices there and they started sending artists. So for, a number of years we had artists from Portugal, and then we made these connections in Mexico and have you know, Claudia and Omar uh, f- from uh, Del Flortanza, but also um, other connections in Mexico, uh, people who've been coming for years. and it just but it all hap- has all happened very organically. Somebody heard about us or somebody, and then Asia was was the Triangle Arts project in 1997 where I was invited to do this phenomenal three-month international project in Japan, Indonesia, and the US, and we made all these connections there. And then we kind of lived off the, the connections of that project for years, because we were connected to the Asian Cultural Council in New York and the Cezanne Foundation in Tokyo, and they were funding artists to come here. I kept getting calls from parents saying, where can I send my teenager who wants to study modern dance? And there just wasn't any place. There were tons of ballet programs. Um, And after a while, I thought, hmm, maybe we should start a young dancers program. It might be, and I think, I don't remember if ADF had theirs going yet, Um, but yeah, I just thought, you know, this might be a really good idea. And I thought that it might be, a a new income stream, Um, and so sort of off we went, taking the model of the professional program and making a much smaller, more focused program with a lot of support around it, but the same ideas, and and more of the idea, even more of the idea of teachers teaching as a team and really reinforcing the the information across. So, you know, right, I mean, we built it very slowly and carefully so that we kind of didn't get ahead of ourselves and more than we could manage, but, you know, it did take off, and it's been very successful, and the incredibly gratifying part about that program is that the artists that are out touring and teaching at universities around the country always come back and say, you know, the best student in the class had been to this program. I'm like, yes! they, you know, they just end up being armed in a way that students that don't get that opportunity, they just have so much more sophisticated information and a broader point of view. So I think that we're really, I think it's a really important program for for young people. Very proud of this program and and the you know the group that we've gathered around it and the way that we've structured it and you know all of those things have happened. It's like sort of trial and error, set something up set a model up, let it run, look at it, get feedback from everybody, all the teachers, all the staff, everybody, what's working, what's not working, and tweak, 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 tweak. And, and now I feel like you know, it really runs well. And YAP was um, sort of a result of having Jane Weiner here, who at the time was a member of the Doug Elkins Dance Company, who we brought several times in the early 90s, and getting to, you know, getting to know Jane and be friends with her. And I don't know whose idea it was, but at some point between us, we thought, we're bringing all these amazing artists from all over the world to this community that's quite underprivileged, a lot of underprivileged kids. There's no art in the schools anymore. So let's get these groups together. So the first year, we got a free space donated downtown on Lisbon Street, a studio. And we put the word out, and 100 kids showed up. I mean, they, they were falling out of the windows, practically. There were so many kids. It was like, okay, I guess there's interest and a need. And again, it was sort of, okay, we're off to the races. So, so we just kept, you know, sort of figuring out what it was and refining it. And at first, it was just Jane, and I don't even remember who was part of it at that very first, 1993. Um, and then we slowly built... A, a, a team: Sarah Sweet, Rabidou, Rose Leach, people who still come back, um, and we hopped around to different f- donated spaces downtown because we always felt we wanted to be in walking distance of the kids. And at a certain point, we ran out of places to go, and we realized we had to move it on to the Bates campus. And we we weren't sure how that would go over. And in fact, these kids and their families are like. We're going to Bates, you know, like we're on the college campus. I mean, it was very positive, so in a way, it starts sort of subliminally planted these college aspirations in these kids, Um, and then we had the assets, you know, of the campus, and you know, so there have been lots of um, evolutions or developments in that program to get it to where it is today, where now we offer not only music and dance but theater, spoken word, visual art. All the arts, and um, you know the idea of the production uh, that they come up with the theme, they create all the material for the production. Um, I just think it's a, such a wonderful program, and the and the kids that come to the program very often will come in at the, at seven years old and want to stay until they they age out at sixteen. I think one of the really great things about YAP is that every day there's a master class with an artist who's in residence. So that's where part of where the intersection happens uh, with the kids and the faculty. And then they'll do like uh, they'll do a tour of the theater, the back of the theater, or they'll come and tour classes, um, or the musicians will come and do a workshop with them, and then they perform with our students at the end. That production is part of our finale with all of our rep pieces. It's uh, it's been a big success. I was involved with a national group of people, but one person in particular, Elise Bernhard, who created and ran dancing in the streets in New York and was really the pioneer in this country. And you know, a lot of the artists that we work, have worked with have worked with Elise Stephen, Venestrations in Grand Central Station, um, many people. Um, and we sort of tried to form a national network uh, early on that we called the Environmental Performance Network. And the field and the funders just weren't ready for it. We were like way ahead of them, and they couldn't figure it out. And so it was very difficult to get support behind it. But there we brought together artists that were doing that kind of work and presenters that were doing that kind of work. Um, so, from I think the first site project we did here was in 1995 with Sean Mosher up on the mountain. Uh, and we had Robert Mirabal, who's a very famous uh, Navajo flute player and incredible piece. And I just love the work. I, I, I just love the way that when you take performance into either an architectural site or a natural site, it changes one's experience of that site forever. And I think site work's an incredible audience builder, particularly when you're making work in public places and people like in... in um, Central Park or downtown Lewiston in the mill or wherever, people collide with it. The police are there, the kids are there, the skateboarders are there, the, and, and they get curious. And, you know, and I just love that collision that happens completely by accident in public spaces. Um, and I love the way that it uh, shifts people's perspective on what is performance and, and what is place. So of all those reasons, I think it's like a really great thing for our field, um, because just being stuck with trying to get butts and seats and survive on how many tickets you can sell is it's a model that doesn't work anymore, And it really constricts what you can do, And I'm not interested in being constricted by those kinds of um, you know limitations. So, yeah. And I love the work because it's a logistical, they're usually logistical nightmares. I mean, you're problem solving every minute. And I love problem solving, that's what I'm good at. So, you know, it's a creative challenge. Like, how do we get around this obstacle? Or how do we figure out how to go over, under, through this problem that we have, you know? And we work on it as a team. And we always find, you know, interesting creative solutions, it's fun. I'm a music person. Um, I might be more of a music person than a dance person. I mean, it's hard to say, um, but uh, music has been part of my life from, you know, the beginning, and um, I feel like music is so important in the wor- in what we're trying to create that to have live music and to have uh, musicians of the caliber that we're f- lucky enough to have here, who are on an even par with. Uh, everyone else, with all the choreographers and all the makers and teachers. Um, I think that that's one of the things that has really raised up the festival and given it this beautiful sort of container, um, that soundscape that, that is sort of the soundscape of the festival, you know, and the, and the fact that um, they're, such a, they're such a tribe. You know they love each other. They love being together. They love making music together. They know they're all on the same page, which is why you know they keep coming back, and we keep bringing them back. And I think they're they're all on an equal par. They're all amazing. Um, and and again, it's like creating a space for them to come together every year and do what they do so well. And and they're all so committed to dance, and they understand it so well. And, you know, I always say that being a dance accompanist is a very unique thing and every mus- every musician can't sit in a dance class and do it. It's a very unique skill. And you have to be passionate about the, da- the art form of dance and really, really deeply understand it in order to support it the way they do. The way that I've envisioned um, the role, of the, the, the role of the festival as, as an educational space is to try and activate mind, body, and spirit. And I think I say that to the students all the time. We're not a place that's just trying to tr- help you, you know, with your technical chops. You know, it's not, a, uh, not just about how high you can kick or how subtle your spine is, but it's about why you're doing it, uh, you know, how you feel about doing it, um, you know I, feel, I think that what we can do is help students understand that continu- that continuum of sort of mind, body spirit, learning, making, sharing, you know all those things you know are, are a continuum, and to understand them as a continuum, and to understand that um, to be a great artist, you need to sort of cultivate your hum- humanness and your se- sense of being a citizen in the world and understand what you care about, who you are, um, understand the uniqueness of your particular instrument, what it can do, what its limitations are, and figure out how to work with those. I um, said All those things. And also in terms of the course material, we've tried to sort of do everything. I mean, to have this program where people can come and just dance their butts off, but they can also come and really focus on somatics and Pilates and yoga and um, authentic movement and, uh, you know, that kind of, that kind of process um, or they can focus on creative process and composition, um, you know, so there's a lot of range of peop- uh, possibilities for the kinds of people that can be in this program um, and that they'll get uh, that 360 degree view of what do you need to know and, you know, there's so many possibilities for how to be in this field and from the young dancers really down to the yappers to think more globally about what does it mean to be an artist, how can I have an impact on my world, what do I care about. You know, Those are sort of the things that have driven the educational philosophy that I hope that I can take that idea and maybe there are other institutions that would be interested in trying to you know, get at some of those goals as well. And, and, you know, I always say this, but I think it's building a community, it's building a laboratory and it's building a safe haven for our field, which I feel is incredibly under-resourced and beleaguered and needs a place to go where they know that they are safe, they're loved, they can be joyful, and they can experiment and take risks. I think all of those things are what's made Bates so important. And those are the things that are my kind of driving, um, that's my agenda to make that, create that space. And I feel like we've done it in spades. I mean, like, I don't think there's any other place quite like this. So I'm really proud of that, and I really, really, really feel like it needs to continue in the same, you know, with the same sense of commitment.
0: Laura Forer remains living in Maine and is still an active supporter of the arts. This podcast was produced by the Bates Dance Festival out of Bates College. Editing was done by myself, Lindsay LaPointe. Music featured by Peter Jones, Cara Landa, and Adam Crawley. For more information about the festival and performances, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.